On this episode of Bite Sized, we are watching and discussing the second scene of the movie Twilight. For those of you watching along at home, that is from one minute and eight seconds to two minutes and six seconds. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of Bite Size, the second episode to be exact. Thank you again for joining me. My name is Ben Abair. I am your host, comedian, somewhat influential figure in the Twilight space, or at least I have been told. Uh, if this is your first episode, here's what's going on. Every week, myself and a guest are watching and discussing the Twilight movies one scene at a time. For me, I know what else is going on. For my guests, it is completely devoid of context, unless they have any experience with the franchise in the past. Speaking of guests, I have one today with me, a comedian, a writer, a friend of the pod, Will Nicholson. Welcome to Bite Size. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for being here. Will, I'm going to start off this interview the way I start all interviews with on this show. And by that, I mean the last one, because this is the second time. (laughs) And that is by asking you a question. What is your experience with the Twilight franchise? All right, great. So I have read all of the books. I read them not quite as they were coming out. I I really wasn't on the bandwagon until around the, the time the fourth book breaking dawn was coming out. how old would you have been around then oh i was in middle school i would have been right around 13 14 right? a young adult yes yes yeah. a, a, a ya if you sure, will sure uh, uh really the the niche market for these books and yeah. and so like by the time i got into middle school uh people were you know had been reading them for a while the first uh, th- three books were out uh and and people were talking about how great it was and how much they enjoyed reading it so i i started reading them and i i really enjoyed them as well i i tended to read a lot of like romance books at the, at the time uh in my middle school days burgeoning on puberty i was becoming a hopeless romantic already so already <laughs> i know i i and i blame john green and twilight no. interesting <laughs> So I read all of the books. I went to like the midnight release for Breaking Dawn, the the fourth book. And I have seen the first two movies kind of like as they were coming out. But by the time the movies were coming out, I was entering into my late teens where it wasn't cool anymore to be a guy that like was into Twilight or that watched Twilight. That was one thing I I wanted to talk to you about when I learned about your experience. I'll, I'll... Ask this question. I'll preface it with a story. I'll tell you about the very first time I learned about this yeah. thing called Twilight. I was maybe 13, 14 years old. And at church, there was this couple of older teenagers, high school age. To me, they seemed like adults at the time. And they were just your typical sort of like MySpace emo kids. Uh, mm. Very, very yeah. hot topic. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and one exactly. day they come into church wearing matching shirts that had a list. It said the top 10 reason guys should read Twilight. Oh. I don't know why you would wear that to church along with someone. I love it. That's not what this is about, (laughs) though, because Twilight was introduced to me by Twilight fans as something that you might say is for girls. Right. So what was your experience like being not a girl in the that sort of for girls space? I mean, I think young Will absolutely was like, oh, you girls talking about Twilight? Yeah, are you an Edward or Jacob fan? And so uh-huh. they're like, oh, wait, you know what you're talking about? And I was like, yeah, no big deal. 
my middle name is also Edward, so I really milked that a lot yeah. in middle school. I was like, you know, my name's Edward, and I, my teeth are kind of pointy sometimes, and I'm really pale, <laughs> and that's hot now, being pale, <laughs> and... Uh, it didn't go well for me. It really no. didn't work out as well <laughs> that, as you that might. Strategy as shocking didn't work. as it seems, uh, it didn't really work. But I, I remembered I, I had a fun time with it. But yeah. it, I, I think one of the things that really made it feel more accessible to me as a guy is that my sixth grade English teacher was a, a fan of the series and saw how popular it was and yeah. was like, "Great, I'm an English teacher. I'm going to capitalize on this. I want kids to read." And so like would talk about it a lot in class. We had a day where we we went through and we made our own like the the movie was coming out and so she went through and like looked at the cast announcements and we looked at everyone who was cast and we were like oh what do you think about this person or or who would you cast instead and then she had us go through and we made our own like playlists like if we were gonna make a movie soundtrack for the first movie she had us go through and make our own playlists and submit it for extra credit you gotta tell me some of the songs that you put on that playlist I think the most iconic one that I'm like oh to a T is so good for the movie is Hero slash heroine uh, by Boys Like Girls. It's okay. just a classic, like, angsty pop punk. Like, I think How to Save a Life by The Fray was another sure. one. Sure. I think just, like, really anything that's got that angst, that, like, emo, that, like, no one could love me. I'm irredeemable. Right. Except for that perfect person that's out there for me. I think putting How to Save a Life on that soundtrack it may have been a little too heavy handed, even a for little, Twilight. Yeah, a little too on That's the nose. That's a little ham fisted. Yeah. <laughs> hey, fair enough. But I was in sixth grade no, and I didn't have time for nuance. I needed my angst mainlined right through my ears into my heart so that I could tell myself that one day I was going to be a vampire sure. for some, some girl out there. Hey, bud, one day, one day, <laughs> You'll one get day. There. I still got, alive. you know, 1500 years or so before that dream dies. So, OK, yeah, that's a great way to look at that. Yeah. Uh, right? What a wonderful attitude to have an approach towards life is just assume that you'll never die. Yeah. Well, I, one of these days I'm going to get bitten by somebody and they're going to pass along some sort of mutation that will make me immortal. Ideally, that person will give you a mutation and not just like an infection or something. Well, I'll take my risk. All right. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it, I guess. Let's jump into the scene. We watched less than a minute, I think, 108 through 206. That's 58 seconds of the movie Twilight. And truly like a masterpiece. Tell me about that then. Of the scenes, when when you're breaking it down, just Mm -hmm. you need to convey to your audience quickly that this girl is from Phoenix, Arizona. And how do you do that? Yeah, have her wistfully hold a cactus. Just to quickly recap for those of you who did not are not watching along with the show, it is strictly Arizona. We start with Bella digging up a cactus. We get a, a oh, Southwest plane flying y- over. You some wish mesas. it was her digging up a cactus. No, she's holding an already potted cactus that they absolutely bought at a Hobby Lobby not thirty minutes before they shot this scene. Then what was the spade she was holding for? Oh, that clean spade with no dirt on it. Oh, a lovely little piece of set dressing. I, I think that's what my favorite thing about the shot. Is Are that- you implying that they didn't actually have Kristen Stewart go out in the desert and dig up a cactus? Look, would you want to watch three to four seconds of an actress doing something with her hands? You know, a little bit of busy work, the, the business, sure. as they call it. In movie? Or would you rather see that same actress close her eyes and breathe deeply and for just three to four of, seconds while holding a potted cactus. Just kind of bite her lip to as her she will yes. thousands of other times. She 
looks like it is the her favorite food is cacti, <laughs> and she's never going to be able to eat it again once she leaves Arizona. That is an interesting <laughs> like, take. Mm, one for the road. I would miss Phoenix. I'd miss the heat. I would miss my loving, erratic, harebrained mother. Hey. And her new husband. Guys, come on, I love you both. We got a plane to catch. Do you think she had any trouble getting that cactus on a plane? Yeah, I think I think right. you would. I don't know that there's any way you go through TSA with a cactus that they don't go, uh, no. Given some of the other things TSA has taken from me, like some Axe deodorant yeah. when I was in high school, or a jar of Nutella once, I think they would absolutely take a cactus, right? A cactus fits the two main criteria for something being taken by TSA. It's not a weapon, but could uh, understandably be used as yes. one, and is sharp enough that it could be used as a weapon. And given how cactuses, cacti retain liquid, there's probably more than three ounces of water oh, in there. That's a great point, Ben. Yeah. You know, she actually absolutely had to wait an extra like two hours for TSA to go through her bag. and Yeah, someone had to get called over, and she had to be like, look, I'm moving. It's a whole thing. Right. I'm from phoenix but i'm gonna miss it for some reason yeah so i want to bring this cactus with me because nothing says phoenix arizona like a small potted cactus that i got from trader joe's <laughs> you're really you're really hell-bent on this whole not a real cactus thing you're hung up on oh it. it's a real cactus but not really from the the gorgeous arizona desert i just it it, it was such a choice for me and i understand why in the in the logistics of shooting a movie it is yeah. much easier to have your actress hold the cactus already dug up and repot it into her little pot and take it with her but i'm just like boy uh, the choice of yeah. like do we want to see that happen no do you think it's supposed to symbolize anything, the cactus? Oh. Because I don't know. I haven't, obviously haven't watched the rest of these scenes yet for the show. I don't know that right. we ever see that cactus again. Oh, I would be surprised. Maybe. Maybe it's like on her desk or something in the bedroom. In the, Maybe in the second movie when they do the pan around her bay yeah. window, you see oh. it like there for a moment. We'll but, talk about that yeah, in that, about... That, 18 months. <laughs> yeah, next year <laughs> yeah. we can bring that if up. If we're lucky, yeah. If I had to, you know throw things back to the OG English class Twilight discussion yeah. days. Sure, let's analyze this. I have to say the cactus probably represents her personality. You know, she's guarded. Sure. She's, uh, she's been safe her whole life in Phoenix, and now she's going to a new place, and she hasn't shed her prickly, spiny exterior yet. Wow, that's incredible. You know, I feel like so much of the symbolism in this movie uh, wants us to see... Kristen Stewart, Bella, as something delicate, something fragile, but you instead see her as a cactus. I think she sees herself as a cactus. Wow. And it takes Edward to make her realize that even cacti uh -huh. bloom. <laughs> that is deep. That is incredible. Uh, this is why I asked you to be on the show. There is narration of Bella there is. talking about how she does not regret the choice to leave home. Right. You, Will Nicholson, grew up in Arkansas, now it's true. live in Chicago. I'm a You've left man. home. Just like the cactus, you are a transplant. It's true. Do you regret the decision to leave home? No, I don't. I yeah. don't. I, Arkansas, I, though it has its charms, it mm -hmm. also has a, a lot of ish issues. Sure. Uh, not that any place doesn't. You know, no place is, is without its problems. For sure. example, here in Chicago, winter sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
all in all, I love Chicago. It's a beautiful city. And I, you know, I do feel that kinship with Bella. I left a very typically warm place, not quite as arid as right. you know, Arizona, but I left a warm climate for mm-hmm. a much colder climate and uh, one that is not necessarily as, as uh, hospitable to the my weather inclinations that I've grown up with. Right. But, you know, you adapt. You know, I've right. learned to layer. I'm sure she learned to wear a raincoat. I'm sure. She moves to Forks, Washington, mm. obviously. We're not there yet in the show, in the, yeah. in the series we of the show. We lead right up to it. Technically. They, they, you really edged me with Forks. Yeah. I if, thought maybe we're going to get some like sweeping scenes of Forks. No. No, I cut you off right All I got was that. the Sierra Nevada. You get some desert mountains. Forks, Washington, where her dad lives, but also a great place for a vampire to hide. Mm. Do you think a vampire could be hiding in Chicago? And where, where would a vampire be do better to hide, your hometown in Arkansas or Chicago? Ooh, I mean, I think they'd do better to hide in Chicago. Sure. There's just, you know, there's there's more in, inclement weather here. There's more people. So easier to blend easier in. Easier yeah. to blend in. And if you live downtown, they have all those underground tunnels and stuff. You sure. really could hardly ever have to go above ground if you play your cards right as a vampire in Chicago. That's a great way to think about it. And maybe when you do finally get bit yeah, by yeah. someone with a horrific mutation. I'm just saying that's sort of your play. 15 to 1600 years when you all hear about a bunch of mysterious people going missing Tourists in Chicago. Going missing, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's me. I'm a vampire. Look for me underground. <laughs> well, hello to the jury that is currently listening to this and your trial of where you've been accused of being a vampire i guess in 1500 years we circle back around to the salem witch trials but it's yeah. for vampires something like that little rock is a, a wonderful city but you have to go everywhere by car and yeah. it's very sunny often because we're you know in the south a sure. temperate zone if sure. you will i don't know that a vampire would would fare well i i guess the other thing i i will say i will never be a vampire and that is because i love garlic too much that is my one downfall if i do become a vampire it'll be a brief run until i kill myself is it ever established in twilight though that these vampires can't eat garlic that's i i mean they're no they can i think i think that 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 is one of the big things about this was it was one of the first like major like literary like mainstream franchises where somebody was like no no no, these aren't the vampires as you know them yeah these are our own vampires stephanie meyer she said no no no, my vampires they can go out in the sun but they'll sparkle. But they'll sparkle. <laughs> but they can. They but won't they die. can. Right. They can eat garlic. It just it tastes like ash to them in the same way that right. all human food does. I guess we never see any of them confronted with a crucifix, so I don't know how that would work out as well. Never. None of them ever well, get staked. Aren't, don't the, the, the Volturi hide in a church? That's like where their headquarters is. We're getting is. way ahead of Yeah, things. I know. That's, that's, that's books and mo- movies, that's movies away. and movies away. That's a question that at this rate we won't answer until, I don't know, 2026? Hey, listener, if you've got a strong opinion about whether the Twilight vampires can be confronted with a crucifix or not, at me. Let's argue about it on Twitter. Usually when people go on podcasts, they try not to start fights. No, I'm trying to media. right now. Come come at me right now. Okay. I'll, I'll go to bat for these hot Twilight takes. In this scene, Bella may or may not dig up a cactus. Whether or not she does, right. apparently, up for debate. If you could dig up something from your hometown and take it with Ooh. you when you move, what would it be? Boy, that's a great question. Maybe I, something to eat, like Bella intends to eat that cactus. <laughs> Maybe my something. My favorite snack. Yes, I dig up my family's cheese dip plant in our backyard. <laughs> no, uh, I think 
in real life, I would never do this because it would be an insane thing to do. But a, a dogwood tree, just because there are lots of dogwoods uh, in, in Arkansas and in Little Rock specifically. And we had one that grew right mm-hmm. in front of my house that I grew up in. And it's... You know, dogwood trees, they're fairly small. They're like little trees. They're not very big. But so as as a smaller child, it was the perfect, like, beginner climbing tree. Sure. So I used to climb up in it all the time until finally I got too big. My dad was like, you can't keep climbing in our dogwoods. You're going to break all the branches off, and then we won't have a beautiful tree anymore. So I think, I think a dogwood tree would be kind of like a nice little remind-me-of-home plant. Sure. I, if I ever have kids and I don't get vampirized before then, or you do, or I do, yeah, and then I have vampire kids. Yeah. yeah. What about you? What would you bring up from Austin, Texas? I'm from Houston, Texas. From Houston, Thank Texas. You very much. Fuck. All right. Um, well, goodbye, everybody. Yeah. Um, boy, this is awkward. Uh, probably a Waterburger franchise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think one of those is what I would take. Ooh, okay. Um, you can't quite literally dig that up and and put it in a, a pot from Hobby Lobby, but. Something like that. You know what? Yeah. I'll make a deal with you. If you bring Whataburger up mm. from Houston, I'll bring Shipley's from Little Rock. Fair. We can have Shipley's Donuts and Whataburger that together sounds, in Chicago. That sounds incredible to me. Will Nicholson, what would you say was your favorite part of this scene of the movie? Absolutely. Hands down. It is her in the car with the hipster indie music under it. Yeah. I love a cliche like... We're starting the uh, the trip of our lives, yeah. and it's like the. Looking out the window while the banjo plays underneath. Mm-hmm. Nothing screams teen movie to me. Like that, like indie road trip soundtrack kicking in sure. right at the top of a movie as the opening credits start. And and I think they nail it in this. They said, we need to let people know this is a teen movie. And they do it immediately yeah. within the first two minutes. It's young adult. It's YA. It's, it's what YA. For. And, I, you know, I love a cliche. I love a trope. Sure. Used well. That's fair. What would you say was your least favorite part of this 58 seconds? Hey, Ben, take a wild guess. Is it the deception regarding the cactus? It is the bizarre choice to to linger on her holding this potted cactus and clean spade for three seconds while she bites her lip. I mean, look, you, you can't just expect her to dig up a cactus and put it in her bare hand. Of course, there's going to be a pot there for her to uh, put it in. Sure. Sure, I get that. I guess I don't know. I, I, the, the point of like digging up the cactus to me is like, this is a labor of love. This yeah. is like I am taking a part of home with me. Mm-hmm. And then rather than show like that effort that the character is giving into like preserving this part of herself, instead they're like, nah, nah cactus equals Arizona. That's so, it. <laughs> that's it. That's all they they needed. They were like, all right. How do we show them that she's from the Southwest? Okay, well, we need a little bit of a sepia filter. All right, check. Done. That's done. There's a a, a strange yellow pollard over the whole scene. What else? Cactus. She needs to be holding a cactus. All right. I do have a question. Sure. I, I mean, we're focusing a lot on this cactus. I don't want it to, we, to uh, More than I expected, honestly. I didn't really expect it either. <laughs> Did I know that this was going to be the thing that really got yeah. my goat this episode? No, but... It, we focused on it pretty hard, and it's because it really jumped out to me. Yeah. Although, 
closely and immediately followed up by her talking about how much she's going to miss her mom. Yeah. And then one of the like most uncomfortable mother-daughter hugs I think I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. And you've seen a lot of mother-daughter hugs? <laughs> Listen, I guess not. But yeah. I just, th- she's like, oh, I really love my mom and I'm going to miss her so much. And they show like her mom giving her like a little side hug and she's like shying away from it. Right. All right. I mean, I guess that is teen. That's accurate to teen, but Mm -hmm. it just feels like it's so juxtaposed to what her narration is saying. And I think it's a little interesting that it gives us these characters of the mom and the mom's boyfriend, and then we basically never see them again. I mean, uh, fair to the book, too. Sure. But although I did have this question. Yeah. Because in the movie, in the narration that she gives, she says, you know, they want to hit the road, so that's why I'm going to stay with my dad. Right. In the books, isn't it just that her mom's boyfriend got a like job? He's like a baseball coach, right? Or a baseball he's player. He's a baseball player. Baseball player. And this he comes gets, up later in the movie. And right. I'll, and I'll he t- gets put on a team in Florida. Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, yes. Florida. Right. And so in the books, I think it's just that they're like, we're moving to Jacksonville for his work. And she goes, Jacksonville? No, thank you. I'd rather go to Forks. And in the movie, they're like, that's too harsh. Nobody's yeah. going to believe that someone from Phoenix has that strong an opinion about Jacksonville. I mean, you ever been to Jacksonville? I've never heard I, any good things about you it. You know what? Given the choice, would you rather move to Forks, Washington, a place that I have been to, or Jacksonville, Florida, a place I have never been to and can tell you nothing about? Okay, well, I've been to Jacksonville, so give me like... So between a, the two a, of us, let's figure this yeah, out. Yeah, give me like your quick impression of Forks when Great. you went. Forks, well, we went there specifically for Twilight right, purposes, I'm obviously. Sure. My now fiance, we went to Seattle for her birthday mm. a one year, and one day rented a car, drove out to Forks. We did all of Forks in maybe an hour. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot Great. to it. Sure. Uh, there's, there's one little strip that is small businesses and Twilight you know, yeah. touristy things. Do they have to the do. diner? Well, see, here's the thing. It's less impressive than you would expect because a lot of the a lot of the scenes of the movie set in Forks were actually filmed in Oregon. Wow. So like Forks High School mm-hmm. does not look like Forks High School in the movie. So it's actually quite disappointing. That's so funny. You can see the Welcome to Forks sign. Yeah. And eh. that's really about it. <laughs> we went, there was one thing they did though, the, um, the Forks High School sign, Home of the Spartans mm. or whatever, that actually is outside the actual Forks High School. And they took that there to the school in Oregon for filming when we went we were going to get a picture by that sign but unfortunately it had been replaced with a sign that said like congratulations seniors because it was around graduation time and just like why would you take away your tourist attraction from the high school there don't you want strangers coming and taking pictures so that's forks okay got it well tell uh, me about jacksonville (laughs) that was such a great sell and yet (laughs) i think it still beats jacksonville here's the best thing i can tell you about forks the biggest compliment i can give it the drive from seattle to forks is beautiful yeah there you go okay great sure i believe that i i I will say that the jacksonville has some some uh nice views if you like long sweeping ocean vistas sure the highlight of my time in jacksonville was that it was our launching point to go to disney okay the best thing about jacksonville is how close it is to orlando without being orlando got it so between the two i think i'd prefer to move to forks 
if only because Jacksonville's in Florida and yeah. that, that whole state is quite a mess. I think of the two, I would prefer Jacksonville just because really? Jacksonville is a large city and there's stuff there. You know what? That's um, fair. They're big but, enough for a football team. But how long was the drive into Seattle from Forks? It was a couple hours. A couple hours? We, okay, we took the ferry. Mind. It was a whole thing. Oh. Yeah. Was there like a faster route than the ferry? No, not really. Oh, okay. That wasn't like the scenic route. You just... It was a it was a very scenic route. Oh, it was beautiful. But I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could live there. I'm a big city boy at heart. See, and that's where within me there are two wolves. Sure, or a vampire and a wolf. Okay. Um, and part of me is like, yeah, I you know I do need a big city. I need the modern comforts. But another part of me really loves like camping and that kind of like rustic out in the middle of nowhere stuff. And I think as long as I could get a good enough internet connection, I'd be into living out in the middle of the woods and forks. I'm sure Washington. you could do that. And while you're in forks, be sure to stop in at the Twilight Forever Museum. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. wouldn't miss it for the world. You would love it. <laughs> it. There's a lot of costumes from the movies, and it's staffed by volunteer cosplayers. It's a good time. Oh, that's great. It was an experience. <laughs> I mean, can I blame Forks, Washington? Absolutely not. You have to capitalize on yeah, that. It, yeah, as we say down south, you, you got to dance with the girl what brung you. Uh, exactly. Uh, this is the hand life has dealt you, and hey, anything you can do to bring a little business to your part of the world, go for it, I say. So yeah, in the movie, they just changed it. They, they, they don't mention that he's moving to Florida for baseball. They're just like, oh, they're hitting the road. Yeah. Which I, is cool, but I don't know how I would feel if I was in high school and my mom was like, hey, I know you have a lot of friends that you've been building up over years mm-hmm. and years and that this is your home. But my new boyfriend and I are going to hit the road. So you got to get yeah. out of here. We're moving and you can't really come with us. So yeah. get out. Yeah. Go live with your dad who you have not seen in a very long time. Why did I leave him? Uh, he was really a curmudgeonly. But I'm sure you'll love him. You're going to get along great, sweetie. Was there any other thoughts you had about this scene? I mentioned it before, but I do think it is funny that like I just because I've seen the movie and I yeah. know what's coming, I know the like the color theory that they have in right. play for this movie of the like cool, cold steel tones of Forks Washington. Yeah. And the way that they have to match that kind of color balancing yet still be in Phoenix, Arizona gives the whole scene this weird surreal, like oversaturated, but also somehow undersaturated. Right. It wants to hit you hard with the contrast of this movie's going to take place in a place with no sunlight. Mm -hmm. Here is too much sun. Yeah. Yeah. Here's an overbearing amount of sun. Is this shot overexposed? Maybe. We don't care. Intentionally. Intentionally. It's an artistic choice. It is. It yeah, is. Yeah, that's that's called cinematography. <laughs> but I think my favorite part is how much they were like, but we got to make sure Kristen Stewart looks like the same person. Yeah. Like location to location. Right. So we have to balance all of the color like correction we're doing for the scene mm-hmm. around making her look the same-ish. It still has to be blue. <laughs> yeah. But the- hot blue <laughs> instead of cold, wet blue. Okay. I need you to give me scorching Arizona sun, yeah. just like hot, sun-baked desert sure. and, and Arizona Phoenix Sure, boss, so like red and orange? No, 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 no. Our whole color theory for the movie is cool blue tones. Oh, like water that they don't have in deserts? Mm, exactly, exactly. Like as much as you can make it look like it's raining in a place where they see maybe two to three inches of that mm. per year. Do you think it would have been 
a bigger punch, a harder contrast if it had been more red to blue. Twilight comes out at a time when all movies were doing this. Twilight yeah. is not the only offender here. Yeah. There was a point of time right as this movie was coming out where like every movie was like, we're not very desaturated. We're cool. We're yeah. like blues and like every once in a while, like a desaturated orange or yellow, but it's all going to be like cool blues and like really like light, bright exposures and things like that. And so I think that, you know, they were trying to fit with the times. Would I have loved to see like a very like bright and like campy and like oversaturated version of Twilight? Yeah. Absolutely. I think that'd be so fun to see just like what happens if they go, Hey, instead of being like this really angsty, like edgy, like teen movie, let's just be like real campy, fun vampire teen movie. Sure. I don't know that it'd be better. Probably. It certainly wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same at all. And you know, to its credit, Twilight the book is very like that angsty teen edgy like it is appropriate what right. the movie does is appropriate to the tone of the book sure but it is a little like part of me is like oh man where's that like smash cut from the like bright orange of the Arizona to the like cold high school of forks with the like you know 90s like yeah record scratching dj like music you know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah, like I know that, what you that mean. kind of vibe I'm right like, boy what in a world where twilight looked like that i i wonder what i wonder how people would have felt about it i wonder how it would have been received i don't know i don't think it would have had the impact you don't think uh so? that it would have no because it would have looked like so much that came before it and that you know that That's they were true. really going for the angsty teen demographic yeah um and you're not going to do that with sort of american pie colors and and shooting that's true yeah. that's true i will say as soon as the narration stops and they hit again that indie teen yeah. movie like i'm in the car the plane's taking off i'm like okay i'm on board again I, that's like, where you've, that's where you've picked me up that's where the plane and the movie take, take off. off yeah <laughs> exactly I'm in this weird place. I feel like it sounds like I'm shitting on Twilight. I want to make very clear that I'm not. I enjoy it for what it is. I think it really captured a a time and place. This this early 2000s teen angst is just in a bottle. It it is right there. And I I think it is camp in a lot of the best ways. Mm -hmm. It is kind of like, not overtly camp, but in this very like understated of like, yeah, we're taking this very seriously yeah. because it's fun and we want to and we like it. And so we're going to treat it with all of this like respect and care and love. And that's great. That's yeah. what it deserves because that's what the series elicits from people. This is interesting. There's no way you would you would have known this. But in the previous episode recorded, the word camp came up a lot. So I'm interested to see uh, if that is going to be a continuing theme with my guests. If they see if they see twilight as a work of camp i mean and whether that was intended then so much as it is now sort of you know after the fact retroactive camp you might say yeah i i think that you're gonna kind of have people in these three camps (laughs) (laughs) the camp camps the camp camps yeah you're gonna have people that a were were fans of this series when it came out and were diehard fans and just love it enthusiastically unironically wholeheartedly ever since then the the whole time that have always been fans of it that are happy to see it get its renaissance sure i think there are going to be people that are probably more like me that were like 
a little bit more bandwagony that were like fans of it when it was popular. And then as it like, you know, grew out of fashion, became a little bit more passe was like, you know, I yeah. like I haven't seen past the second movie just because that was really? about that was about the age where I, I, you know, I aged out of it by around right. the time Eclipse was coming out. And New Moon to me is, I would think, one of my favorite and least favorite in the series because I think it. I think it is a bad movie. Yeah. Of the two movies you've seen. Of the two movies. It's one of your favorite it's, and It is my favorite, favorite because I think, okay. it, I think it is objectively a bad movie, and yeah. I do love it because of that, because of the camp. Sure. That said, I think Twilight, the first movie, is, is does not quite hit that level of it. But I think that I fell out of it just because, like, I was like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm an older teen boy. Like, it's not, I'm not the target demographic here. Right. I had a little sister. She was the target demographic. And so I was like, I can't be into anything my little sister's into. Sure. And now, like, I've gotten old enough that I'm like, I don't care about what's cool or anything. Like, I, I, I liked right. Twilight when it was out. I haven't seen the other ones, but it's fun, you know, to watch them and stuff like right. that. So I think that that's going to be, like, the, the second group of people, which might be, by and large, the largest larger camp which is going to be you know these movies were really cheesy and corny but i really loved them when i came out and you know what they they really deliver on what the source material is and they they scratch that itch when you're looking for this kind of like melodramatic rom teen romance like with, with some fantasy elements to it twilight knocks it out of the park sure and then I think the third group of people is going to be people that were unattached to it in its yeah. heyday at all and now have seen it come back in this renaissance and can approach it from this, like, let people enjoy what they like. If people right. really like this, I'm going to watch it with an open mind and, like, have fun with it. And I think sure. that's really where it shines is, like, once you take away mm. this need for it to be you know, this massively successful, successful franchise that this movie is carrying the weight of. Once yeah. it's just like, hey, watch this movie. Did you enjoy that hour, two hours, hour and a half, two hours? Yeah, great. And I think that, that that's what Twilight delivers, you know? You say you aged out of Twilight. Do you think you have or perhaps ever will age back into it? Yes, I think I yeah. have. I think like that, that is what I, I couldn't have told you when it happened. Sure. Probably just because, you know, it fell out of my mind. Like it right. wasn't in the zeitgeist for a long time, really. It kind of disappeared for a while. It did. There. And and I've, you know, not fully forgot about it. There are always the memes, you know. Right. Uh, but there are things from your childhood that you have this judgment of when yeah. you're in it because you're like becoming a person and you're trying to decide like what you like and you don't like and other people are judging you for it and you're like, oh, fuck, my peers don't like this thing. I can't like it either and, and things like that. And I think, you know, as you get older, you reach an age where you kind of don't give a fuck about that anymore. And you also like, you know, I, I think at like 20, I might have been like, no, I don't like Twilight. That's not good cinema. And right. now I'm like, I don't care if it's good cinema. Is it like, will I enjoy my popcorn while I'm watching it? Yeah. Great. Good movie. And I, I think that that so I have come back around into sure. enjoying Twilight. I think just because I've lost a lot of that self judgment that I might have had yeah. about it before. You know, if you had to give this scene a name. Ooh. Say it's it's 2008, you pop in the DVD, the mm. chapter title. What would you name this 58 seconds of movie? And this will also be the name of the episode, so make it good. Oh, boy. Wow, you've put me on the spot here. That's fine. You can take my, time to my think. My first instinct is Phoenix rising because we see the Ooh. airplane rising into the air as she leaves Phoenix. But I 
feel like no, I, I'd be remiss if uh-huh. I don't include the cactus okay. in this title somehow. So we got Phoenix Rising, colon, we can give it a subtitle. Phoenix Rising, colon, a stuck cactus never blooms. A stuck cactus never blooms. It takes about as long to type that out on my phone as it does to watch the entire scene. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of words for 58 seconds. Will Nicholson, thank you so much for coming on to Bite Sized. Is there anything you would like to promote? Anything perhaps where people can follow you or maybe see you live? I do two uh, improv sh- music improv shows here in Chicago at sure. Riff Improv. Oh, I've heard uh, of that. Yeah, you might have heard of it. Uh, I'm also a part of a show called Lost Realms. Okay. Uh, that's at Other World Theaters. Uh, Riff Improv's at IO. Lost Realms is Friday is Fridays at 10 p.m. at Otherworld, and Riff is Saturdays at 10 p.m. at IO Theater. Uh, and you know, I'm on a social media. Yeah, Give me a follow on that. Instagram, uh, Twitter, what, whatever you want to come argue with me on Twitter. I, I've got time. Let's do it. You want to you want to get in a fight about Twilight? Tell me I'm wrong about this cactus. Okay. At Sire William N on both of those things. Sire William N. That is it. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Bite Sized Podcast. Thank you to my guest, Will Nicholson, my producer and editor, Ben Oksher. Thank you to the band Swimwear Department for the use of their song, Mauled to Death, for our opening and closing theme. Give them a follow wherever you find music. If you like the show, why not follow us on social media? We are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, T-I-T, at Bite Sized Pod, B-I-T-E-S-I-Z-E-D-P-O-D underscore at Bite Sized Pod underscore on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Give us a follow, share the episode with someone you know who likes Twilight or doesn't like Twilight. See if I care. Share us, favorite us, five-star reviews. You know how podcasts work. It's the year 2023. They've been around for a while. If you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you can do so at benabear.com. That's at B-E-N-H-E-B-E-R-T-D-O-T-C-O-M. Slow that down if you want to understand how to spell my difficult last name with all that out of the way it's time to say good night will we're going to close this like we always do as we always say on bite-sized give me a bite of that cactus give me a bite of that cactus good night <laughs> Let's-